Untitled Beatles podcast. Ding a bell, leave the room, and the person who stayed is forced to then speak what they just sang. <laughs> Welcome to Improv, Untitled Improv Beatles. <laughs> uh, can I'm, I have the suggestion of a place uh, you might sweat and play, like the Cavern Club? Oh, uh, uh, Candlestick Park. I We now take you to a Starbucks bathroom. <laughs> I, I did start recording. Um, I, I can. <laughs> wow, that sounded like a day in the life there. <laughs> they got to make the chair squeak sound. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll dub that in the chair squeak. <laughs> right. That's what Jeff Emmerich did anyway. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just pull, pull those faders up. <laughs> Uh, well, welcome to Untitled Beatles podcast. My name's Tony. Hey, TJ Shanoff, once again. Hey, Tony. How are you, man? Great. It's uh, We're recording on a Friday. It's uh, late afternoon, Chicago, early afternoon, L.A., and I am thrilled to be with you again. Now, you are drinking out of an enormous, big gulp-sized <laughs> love, the, the Las Vegas, the, the Cirque du Soleil love show, Tumblr. Yeah. You know, for a lot of people, Revolver or Abbey Road are the most organic Beatles creations. I think the Cirque du Soleil Vegas production is the most organic. No, I, I shouldn't dog on it. Love is beautiful. And I've seen it a, a few times because I do a lot of, you know, I do corporate comedy. It's uh, the reason I'm going to kill myself in 10 minutes. And I, um, every time I, I'm in Vegas for a gig, I try to go see Love. And they sell these plastic glasses for, I think, four or five bucks. So I always bring bad. home a few of them just to kind of, you know, chug water in in the summertime. That's nice. Yeah, I mean, say what you will about love, but Rubber Soul doesn't have its own big gulp-sized tumbler. So. <laughs> and that's always been the problem. Both the UK and the US Rubber Soul have always <laughs> paled in comparison to the love soundtrack. <laughs> uh, US Rubber Soul, by the way. 100%. Yeah, if you got to pick one. We may even get into, because each Rubber Soul begins with a different Paul McCartney song, and I have the U.S. Paul McCartney song on a list we're about to get into, because, Tony, this past week, yesterday, was the 78th birthday, 78 of Sir Paul McCartney. It's true. Happy birthday, Paul. It's it's groovy. We've both gotten to see him. You've gotten to meet him. I got to see him play with Ringo, so we've had some we've had some good Paul time. Yeah. Big... I just hit the demo on my uh, keyboard. I thought you were about to go into like your Sergeant Pepper reprise. <laughs> One, two, three, four. All right. This is that Beatles improv that we're really trying to figure out. It's Beatle Prov. When live theater comes back, we think there'll be a big need for Beatle Prov. <laughs> Uh, well, we decided we're going to explore our our favorite uh, Paul McCartney songs. Now, you included the Beatles, is that right? Well, I made a couple different lists. I have Solo and I have Beatles, just in case. I want to cover all bases. This is a big Paul McCartney week around our house. As my wife, Carrie, said, every week's a big Paul McCartney week around our house. Uh, we we named our son after a Beatle that was not Paul. Um, but Ringo, right? Uh, right, uh, his actually uh, Stu, Stu Sutcliffe, <laughs> and um, the K. Great. Your kid's name is the K. <laughs> right, right. Our son's <laughs> name is Murray the K. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, you know, I, I've gone through, and we've talked about this before on the show. I think a lot of Beatles fans, no matter when you get into them, go through different phases. And I have been a George guy for a lot of my life. I've been a John guy for a lot of my life. There's a lot of Ringo I love. I don't know that I've ever been. I've never been the Ringo is my favorite Beatle guy, but I also defend Ringo. Oh, yeah. But I, th I think at the end of the day, given that I got into the Beatles right around 1979, when McCartney, you know, George only had three, four more albums after that. Right. John, John was gone the following year and had the posthumous stuff, you know, Milk and Honey in 84. But right. I was into the Beatles so young that that 80s till current McCartney has kind of rendered him my go-to Beatle. I've just paid attention to everything he's done. The early 80s stuff was in my blood as I was really developing my love for the Beatles. So it was like Revolver and Pipes of Peace were happening simultaneously for me oh, um, in, yeah. in the early 80s. So yeah, I, I go pretty deep with loving 
with loving Paul. I'm a Paul apologist. I, you know, I, what I think makes people like you and me liberals or Democrats, depending how you want to uh, say it, is like I, I loved Obama and I could go hours criticizing him but still loving him and being proud to have voted for him. It's the same with Paul McCartney. I'm a Paul McCartney apologist, but I also understand there's room to be critical of Paul McCartney. Part of being open-minded is not ascribing to absolutism. It's being able to engage in some kind of critical thought and challenge your heroes. So I'm both a Paul apologist, but I'm also a realist as we get into this talk today. Oh, I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. Well, similar, well, not similarly, uh, conversely, I, um, I did. I was not familiar with Paul's material, pretty much after McCartney too. So like 1980, right? Um, I mean, I re, I got into the Beatles right before Flowers in the Dirt came out, and when that record came out, I really wasn't into it. And I think it kind of 89, 89, yeah, yeah. So it kind of tainted my view of 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 his solo records. I liked Ram a lot. That was one I stumbled upon when I was about 18. And I liked the wildlife record and, you know, band on the run. Yeah, but, man. So when we were like, Oh, what are our top five McCartney songs? I was like, geez, I think they're all going to be on Ram for me. <laughs> and then, um, and then you were kind enough to give me this list that took me like a Sherpa. You were, you took me through his, his post McCartney two phase up to the present. And in doing so this, these last, like this whole week has just been me digging into all that stuff. I mean, minus, I didn't listen to his classical stuff. Um, but I did listen to things like Percy Thrillington and mm -hmm. I listened to some of the Liverpool sound collage and twin freaks, you know, his yeah. With youth. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to that stuff. Um, and even the, the kisses on the bottom record, I, I, I'm listening to almost all of that <laughs> anyway. Wow. I love it. <laughs> anyway, it expanded my whole, my whole thing, uh, my whole breadth of knowledge of Paul and an act. And actually one of the songs from this millennium is in my top five now. Whoa, 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 whoa. I cannot <laughs> wait to get into this. Yeah. So then why don't we start with solo Paul and For let's sure. get to the nuts and bolts. And when we're done, let's just kind of, because uh, picking, I picked a bunch of my top five Paul songs, but yeah. I have ties. So it's really like top 18 Paul Beatles songs, right? Because yeah. what do you pick? What do you leave off? Maybe we'll engage more in just general Beatle Paul talk, but dive in a bit to the solo stuff because again, for various reasons, both his work ethic and his longevity on this earth, McCartney has churned out a disproportionately large amount of solo material. So let's, let's dive in. For sure. Well, um, I, I'll start off with what I consider actually my favorite Paul song. And I don't know if it's still my favorite. It doesn't get me as excited as when I first heard it, but when I first heard it, it got me into Paul and that would be off Ram <laughs> the single uncle Albert slash Admiral Halsey. I heard that the first time I ever heard that was on the radio. It was during a Beatles weekend, summer of 89, when they would CKG in Chicago would just play all Beatles all weekend. One of 5.9. I remember when they do that. Yeah. On the, on your FM dial. And, uh, that song came on. And so this is like me sitting by my uh, stereo recording just off the radio. Like we used to do in the eighties. If you liked the song, you would record <laughs> what you got of it. <laughs> and so when that, hands across the water part came on i was like whoa that note that he they hit was just mm. it blew my 14 year old brain away <laughs> it was just like so i started recording and that's all i had i just had like this snippet i didn't even hear or i didn't have a, a recording of uh uh uncle albert just the admiral halsey part anyway i love that song i love everything that song does i love how weird it is how quirky it is and also just how infectious it is. And in fact, I heard it this morning. I was driving on the 101 in Los Angeles and uh, people drive like morons. And that song was on and it just took me out of Moronville. It's first of all, L.A. traffic, folks. Am I right or what? <laughs> it's psychotic. Oh, and what's the deal with flying? I'm trying to think of cliched stand up jokes. <laughs> <from> <laughs> as well. Yeah, what is the deal with the fast talking federal express guy we get it 
<laughs> Airline Peanuts, man. <laughs> it's my favorite cartoon. Um, yeah, uh, that's not on my list, but that was a seminal and tremendously influential song for me from a very young age, too. It's unlike anything else anybody's ever recorded. Maybe there's some like weird Brian Wilson-y stuff. Sure, yeah. Like it, but it's like he took his penchant for medleys and just went off there. And it's kitschy and it's weird and it's funny and it's beautiful and it's sound effecty. Yeah. And and there's weird tempos. Yep. And there's weird time signatures. It's perfectly Paul yeah. in that it's nobody else can write a song like that. And you're right. Like I was actually thinking about how the sound effects, how that thunderclap just comes in right at the right time. And it totally sets the mood. I think I like rainy days too. So that rain is just, I don't know. It takes me, it puts me in a nice safe place, that song. Yeah. And, and it takes you on a journey too. That's the beauty of it is the, the musical arc of so many of his songs, that one it's kind of sad and it's melancholy. Then it's upbeat that the flugelhorn or the, whatever kind yep. of trumpet trumpet they use for that. Yep. Playing the, the melody uh, right before the hands across the water begins is it's like waking up from it, from a, a, a sad nap. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag <you're> sad nap. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag the sad naps live. at uh, go, go. Um, <laughs> the other great thing about that song is that the crossfade into Smile Away is kind of weird. But if you're making a mixtape, he goes into that four count and it's the perfect intro into whatever your next song is going to be on the mixtape. Great, great call. That is, a, I've always, it, there's a live album issue since the, since the CD era began. We're tracking live CDs. Does the count off for the next song begin at the end of the previous one, or is it part of the next one? Because Smile, Smile Away on the CD starts with the guitar riff and the one, two, three, four, which few people counted off with the same kind of balls and panache as Paul McCartney. Whether it's Sar standing there, which was what? Yep. Eight years before Ram, 70. I've, don't make me do math right now. But whether it was Sar standing there in 63 nine. or. Yeah, not, yeah, or, nine ish years. Yeah. No, you're right. It was eight because Ram 71. Anyway. <laughs> right. I was, I was, I was close math. Not my thing, but Paul McCartney's always counted songs off. Just great. He makes it feel like it fits what's happening musically when it's not edited out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can tell this is a guy who likes to, he likes to work, you know, that like music is his job and he loves doing it. And it's a man who loves his job. I, I mentioned I can be critical of Paul while still being a Paul apologist. And I will go on the Paul apologist angle for a moment when I say it's just driven me crazy for the last 15 years or so. When a new McCartney album comes out or when he goes on tour and his voice isn't great, when you get the random, hey, you know, Paul, you really ought to hang it up. I don't know if you had a, you're really straighted and you sing maybe I'm amazed. I don't know if you had a, you really had a thing, you know. <laughs> Like, fuck you. I, I don't care if Paul McCartney at 70% of the voice he had in 1970 uh, is on stage in front of me singing songs he wrote. We're not going to get that forever. Well, no, man. Whether, whether you love the new Paul McCartney albums or not, the fact that he's still making music and making, in some cases, great music is worthy of admiration. Not that you know what I'm, you know, the people I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. You got to quit, Paul. You can't you can't sing all my loving the way you used to in 64. Yes, yeah, 2020, you moron. Give him a break. Yeah. Someone recently wrote, like, if you take the songwriters who have been writing great songs from from 1958 to 2018. There's one person on the list, and that's Paul McCartney. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it, it's why he's almost, again, with, I mean, the only other two living people right now, I think that compare are, are Bob Dylan and Stevie Wonder. And then, then maybe Mick and Keith. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. But at, at, at any rate, <laughs> next on Rock Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Duran Duran. OMD. <laughs> I wonder what Rock Mount Rushmore was from like 80, each year in the 80s. Uh, let me give you my all-time favorite <laughs> Paul McCartney songs. This is Jones. And this is one right, right here, right now. Uh, my favorite McCartney song of all time is the first McCartney song solo when I fell in love with. And much like a lot of the songs I love, it just never changed. Uh, I believe that the song Take It Away from Tug of War, yeah. which was a 
not a smash hit. It was a minor hit in 82, is my favorite Paul McCartney song. I don't know that there's one, with all due respect to like his silly love songs, the kind of disco beat that that had. I don't know if there's a solo Paul song that pulsates the same way Take It Away does. It's also weird. It's musically. It swings. It's got that kind of jazz horn thing going on that George Martin arranged. Ringo and Steve mm. Gadd are playing drums, so the rhythm is is so cool on it. Yeah, I love when Ringo plays on his stuff. It It's great. And Paul screwed Ringo. Like, you remember in 2005, they did the Live Aid uh, uh, sequel called Live 8? Was that 2005? No, right around, I don't know. I missed this one. They did another Live Aid in, I think, 04, 05. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember because I had just moved into a new place, and it was like a summer weekend where I just got rip-roaring stoned and watched, like, Pink Floyd. And, you know, <laughs> they, they had one of their, their reunions. And McCartney performed. They opened the whole thing with U2, and it was U2 and Paul doing Sgt. Pepper. And Ringo was pissed. Ringo was like, why – why wouldn't Paul call me for, I was available for something this cool. So their relationship is funny, right? Cause you saw them play together in LA. They yeah. worked together on record, but there've been a few times where Ringo's like, Paul didn't let me know about this. I know. And poor Ringo. He's always like, oh, I'm going to go home and until they show up with flowers, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, I guess that's so, what he's got to do. So yeah. Uh, Take it away is my favorite solo Paul song, George Martin produced Ringo on it. So it's got that kind of Beatles thing. And it comes from that tug of war album, which was the first he really recorded after John's murder. Yeah. It's got the trip, the tribute song here today's on there. The album at the time was called his quote unquote best since band on the run. And there have since been a few of those. It hasn't, not every song's great, but the really great songs are among my favorites and Tug of War is my all-timer. Or I take it away, I mean. Take it away, right. Um, Yeah, I I completely forgot about that song until I I heard it, uh, you know, this week. And it it immediately takes me back to the summer of 1982. And this is what I call my latchkey radio summer. It was like, both my parents worked. We lived in an apartment. And they didn't want to pay for a babysitter because we were saving up to get out of the apartments. So I spent that entire summer by myself in my parents' bedroom with the AC cranked, listening to the radio. So uh, that was one of the songs that just, it, it just takes me back to that moment. And uh, it's just a, it's a fuzzy time, meaning a fuzzy warm time for me. And uh, so it goes up there with like John Cougar Mellencamp and man eater and you know all those all those songs from 82 that are pretty amazing well one day when we're doing it uh, first of all i love that story actually touched me and second <laughs> of all for real because i i'm an only child too and there that summer you described was my 1985 and my father was working at his store my mother was taking care of my grandmother who was ill and that's when i would just watch and tape every wkrp was i immersed myself in yeah all those channel nine reruns because that was my escape but <laughs> i believe this is a different topic tony we'll talk about this another time <laughs> sure but 1982 i believe is what i call the last year before the 80s became the 80s yeah that's exactly been, what i was thinking right <laughs> and i have hold on i'm gonna show you something this is something I made in high school. I just found this recently. Two tapes in chronological order called The Music of 1982. Oh, wow. I'm such a nerd about it because those songs, another, my favorite song of all time is not a Beatles song. My favorite song of really? all time came out in 82, and it's by uh, an alumnus of Beatlemania the Musical and a Marshall Crenshaw. It's called Someday, Someway, a song he wrote for Robert Gordon uh, that he then covered himself. And uh, it's just a it's just a power pop tune called "Someday, Someway" that I've always just loved. But 1982 has all those pre-thriller, pre-synchronicity, pre-like a virgin. It's just on the cusp of MTV yep. exploding. So I love 80. Joe Jackson stepping out was oh, that. Year. I loved that song. Yeah, that's yeah, song, right. Yeah, yeah, that's one of those ones that will take me immediately back. Abracadabra, you can do yeah. magic. All, all that stuff. That's <laughs> all in this. Uh, uh, Hold me by uh, Fleetwood Mac. Uh, uh, Waste on the way. Crosby, Stills and Nash. I'm not a Genesis guy, but Paper Late is a is a Genesis song. I love. <laughs> Eye in the sky, hot in the city. Oh, Eye in the sky. Yeah, that one. Yeah, it's good shit, man. All right, 82. back to Paul. Eighty-two. I love another weird Tony TJ thing. We're gonna be married by the time this podcast comes to an end. 
Yeah, man. All right. Works cool. for me. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> we, we have lovely wives. They won't mind. They'll be happy to get rid of us. I'm sure. Yeah. We'll all be good. Well, yeah. We'll just call a vacation and we beetle up and. <laughs> it'll, be our, it'll be our lost weekend. <laughs> Well, my second favorite Macca song, and I, I never say Macca out loud, but here we are, is uh, Mrs. Vanderbilt, man. Wow. I, I fucking call. love that song. I fucking love that song. It has what, like six parts in it? What are my notes for it? I just love it. I love the ho, Hey Hope part A. It, it, it's probably one of the first McCartney songs I ever heard, you know, as a kid when it was just on the radio back when they used to play it on the radio. You don't really hear that one on the radio anymore. Um, so I think when I heard it last summer in preparation to see Paul, I was just like, Oh my, you know, there were so many songs I'd forgotten about, like let him in and things like that. Um, here's what I wrote. Why do I love this song? Maybe it takes me back to childhood. Maybe it's the bass way up in the mix. Maybe it's the sax. Maybe it's the hose and the hay hose. Maybe it's minor <laughs> to major changes. I love that. I'm a sucker for minor to major. Uh-huh. Maybe it's the electronic piano way up in the mix. Maybe because it has six different parts and they're all catchy. Yes. <laughs> Very, I agree with everything you said about that. And what I've always found interesting about that song in the last decade or so, Paul never played that song live, not on wings over America, not right. in the last wings tour. It's one of those weird classic album tracks that got, it feels like a standard now because he's been doing it live for a decade. So it's funny that gener- like the casual Paul fan who's seen him over the last 10 years has now heard Mrs. V- uh, Vanderbilt and not, you know, whereas if you saw him in the 70s or even the late 80s, you'd never heard that. Right, right. Yeah. He didn't play it on when I saw him last summer, but it was in that pre-roll that they play uh, for like two hours before the show. <laughs> I've got that. I've got that mix you ever wanted. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I believe temporary secretary is on it, too. I believe it's on it multiple times. <laughs> well, I love that song. It's my number two. Yeah, I love it. That's a great one. And again, it shows you the strength of Band on the Run, that with all those great songs, you for things like No Words, you know, the, the kind of subtle mm-hmm. uh, tracks from Band on the Run you forget about are all just genius. My uh, second favorite Paul song of all time is just uh, one album after that, I believe from Venus and Mars, the big hit single called Listen to What the Man Said. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which I have, I have always just loved. It's, I love that song. It's such a great one. And, you know, they recorded it in, they did a lot of that album in New Orleans. So mm-hmm. they brought in some New Orleans Sessions players for that. It's got that kind of mid-70s sunshine pop plus Beatle pop plus New Orleans feel plus a melody that just doesn't leave your head. That riff that you hear over and over again in that song in lesser hands becomes cloying in Paul's hands. It's just uplifting and beautiful. Yeah. And that's a fun one. That's like a, if I recall, cause I also just watched wings uh, rock show, uh, which is, you can watch that now. It's great. Yeah. I, I believe he, he uses that number to like get the crowd uh, exercising. He says, "If you want to shake your bum, get up <laughs> yeah. and yeah." And and he's playing piano in the live version of that, which is yeah. pretty neat too. Yeah. And I think he starts it off on the piano, like they go to his tempo. You know, yeah. It's which and it's faster and more. It's yeah. Uh, when we get to favorite Beatles tracks, also from that movie, uh, Lady Madonna, the way oh, yeah. Paul attacks that song live on the piano and gives it all that air. That's another one from that movie that's worth seeking out. That was, yeah, yeah. I'm so glad I watched that. I watched that yesterday. It's been a good, it's been a good Macca week, man. See, now I'm just saying Macca like it's nothing. (laughs) Now you can say it now. You can say Macca. You know how to say Esher correctly. There's various Beatle phrases we've gotten wrong for a very long time. We can say now. Is it Macca or is it Macca? Am I saying it wrong? I think it's Macca, like McCartney. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) I like that song. Though I will say, that song, listen to, is it, does that have his notorious fake out ending where the, like the song doesn't want to end? It just keeps going and going. He goes into an instrumental bridge that I think goes into treat her gently. I think comes next where the single had like the full 45 second instrumental transition before fading out. Yeah. 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 That's one of the things he does. It, um, so my number three is uh, one of his early singles, another day from the Ram era. 
there's again just there's something just lovely about this song uh it just it wanders i love how it wanders i love the i'm a, a sucker for not only uh minor to major key changes but um that galloping beat that you hear on a lot of kink songs with the bass and the who did it every now and then but and then like kodachrome or whatever by paul simon well, like sure that like so he does that in there and emphasizes it with his mouth. Like, I don't know. I love this song. I love the story it paints. I love how sad it is. I, it's pretty real. I, I kind of dig it. I'm not a lyrics person. And, you know, Paul gets a lot of bullshit for, you know, not having heavy lyrics and things like that. But I say, who cares? I like this. I like the portraits and the snapshots he creates with his songs about other people, you know. Well, and that's I I love that Tony because that's kind of where John used to give him some unfair bullshit in those yeah. Playboy interviews, <clears throat> you know. So John Lennon wrote about different things than Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney wrote about different things than, than John. George wrote about different things. When they were in the Beatles, they loved those things about each other at least till that you know nobody can mm-hmm. take Maxwell Silver Hammer Ubla Dia Blah Dot at the end. <laughs> but it's it's what makes Paul Paul and his ability. He's not just writing about other people or other situations. He's telling beautiful fiction, beautiful sto- musical stories of fiction. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's just it's to me it's pop perfection. Yeah, I I love that song. I get it in my head all the time. So and I like it there. Can, can I give you a tie for uh, my number three? Oh, there's a tie cheating because they're okay. two from the same album. <laughs> all right. Well, well, Tony, you gave me that one. Now as an olive branch to you, you can have a tie. <laughs> uh, I mean, I love Uncle Albert and that was seminal to me for a long time. But for some reason, there's two songs on Ram I always go back to and it's Smile Away and Eat at Home. Crazy. Yeah. Eat at Home was a, a single in Japan, wasn't it? Uh, I know it was a single somewhere. I don't know if it was Japan or not, but it's yeah. such a it's such a fun and great tune with such a great spirit behind. I love the guitar playing on that. Yeah, man. And Smile Away is the strangest, <laughs> yeah. strangest song where he's talking about bad feet and bad and teeth, breath right? and teeth. Yeah. And I can smell your teeth from a he, mile away. Right. I know he <laughs> says feet, but he, yeah. <laughs> But his singing on it, that's like Paul trying to be early Elvis on that. And it feels all of Ram. It, it drives me crazy when people refer to Ram and McCartney, the first the first solo album. And I prefer Ram to McCartney. You can definitely see the, the, the step up from totally. the first to the second. Um, and probably working with Linda and having the confidence to call that a Paul and Linda album, I'm sure helped too. It, it felt made Paul feel like he wasn't alone. Yeah. But when people call those albums Ramshackle, you know, all right, then then call any number of that era's Bob Dylan or the band albums Ramshackle. Like, yeah, man. Uh, you, you, you know, okay, fine, but then apply that to everybody else who is making those kind of those kind of not rootsy, but those kind of stripped down basic albums in the early seventies. Yes, those albums are Ramshackle. So are about nine of those albums from the massive artists of that day. Yeah, and it paved the way for for stuff that you would see later, such as punk rock, where you don't have to have super chops you know, to play and things like beat happening. And then later like guided by voices with home recording and all that, it gave permission to not have to spend a hundred grand in some studio to make rock and roll or whatever. Right. It's curious that you chose like, to me, I think they're the two most maybe rocking songs on that record. I, I, the, the end, the, those kind of harmonies they do at the end. Yeah. Uh, I love it because it's another, it, it almost feels a little glam Rocky and that's an area that Paul touched all the time. So it just, to me, it's just cool to hear him rock out like that, which he really didn't do on the first album and kind of suffered from because wildlife, which came next. And I, Hey man, I love wildlife too. I I always loved that album. That, some people never know if we could go ten deep or probably be on there. I love the that that uh, Mickey and Sylvie. Uh, I'm butchering the name. Love the is strange. Of, of strange. Yeah, I love that record. It's actually my second favorite uh, Paul McCartney Maca <laughs> record. Maca. <laughs> <laughs> now make sure you pronounce the two C's on that. Whoops! <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, whoops! <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do they love Paul McCartney or an asshole? Who right. do they know? Macca. 
Not MAGA, MACA. MACA. Make America Crimson and Clover again. <laughs> Folks, if you want more Tommy James and the Shondells in your life, <laughs> did I get that right? Did I, make, I might have made that up. It's, it's, it was either Tommy James or Tommy the uh, Rowe, but I think it's Tommy James and the Shondells. Right. Pretty sure. Um, <laughs> now, I don't want to get too far off, but I also think that those Linda and McCartney, uh, Linda and Paul harmonies that are all over the Ram record, which I love. I love how high in the mix they are. I feel like those inspired the backing vocals that you would later hear on ELO records. I, I feel like Jeff Lynn was so into the Beatles that he took those Paul and Linda things and kind of put it into his music. Well, he, he was a Beatles sponge. I mean, what did John always describe him as? As, as if I am the walrus became a band. Is that what John found <laughs> some line about Jeff Lynn in the seventies? Oh, I love it. I've never heard that one. Yeah. By the way, my wife is on the Beatles sponge, so we are uh, practicing. Oh, my God, Mazel Tov. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Beatles sponges are, I mean, if you go to the Beatles website, they're only $49.99 for two sponges. It's the same <laughs> as the ones you get for a dollar at the dollar store, but they have the Beatles logo on them and an apple. <laughs> <laughs> well, my number four is actually from Wildlife, and that would be Tomorrow. Whoa. I love that song. It's perfect. That is, again, I've already said pop perfection, but um, it's, it's, it's one of my favorites. Um, it suffers. It does suffer from Paul's occasional inability to end a song, which he does a lot <laughs> Baby, live. don't let me down. Don't, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, he just keeps going and going. I, I dig it. Um, but yeah, those tricks he does, like backseat of my car, doesn't end really. It ends, but then it keeps going and... He does that a lot, especially in concert. I always want to be like, hey, Paul, we, you know, we can, if we want to hear the song again, we just hit rewind. (laughs) (laughs) That's especially, hey, Jude, now the people in the bathroom, (laughs) now the ones in the car, like, all right. In line for hot dogs. (laughs) Ironic at a a Macca show. Right, right. Hey, did you ever buy Linda McCartney's frozen foods? I think we bought a couple of them, but not enough to have really made an informed decision on whether I liked them or not. I mean, it was the nineties and I was in, I was like uh, living in an apartment and we were Beatles fans. So we bought them. It was okay. <laughs> they How were just, they? They were, I mean, they were as good as Hormel. They were more expensive <laughs> or banquet, not Hormel banquet, whatever, whatever I was like the garbage I was eating at age 20 in the mid nineties, you know, <laughs> If it has Linda McCartney's face on it next to like green beans, count me in. These these must be great. <laughs> anyway, sorry to digress. No, it's um, a good one. But tomorrow, I love that song. What do you think of that song? Uh, I love it. I've never loved the tag where he slows it down into the triplets. Baby, don't let. That's where, that's yeah. where I kind of wanted him to fade it out. But the kind of. Who's the? There's a doo-wop group that he kind of aped there, the Four Chordettes or something on oh. the whole. I, I'm sorry, not doo-wop. Um, I, why can I not think of the name of the style of music? But the whole like bum 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 barbershop. Bum, 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 the, yeah, a little more of the barbershop stuff. Yeah, I, lost I had no idea for a sec. That just feels very kind of barbershoppy to me, but it works so nicely. And the lyrics, it's optimistic. It's sunny. I love the piano chords at the top. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it has a, kind of a serpentine progression. Yeah, it has it has a lot of elements into in music I find irresistible. Well, was it a single? Was Tomorrow a minor release from that? Or I think Love is Strange might have been. Yeah, I think they. It, I think Tomorrow was a hit in like Brazil or something like that. And also David Cassidy covered it and got it in the charts, but I have yet to hear that version. Really? Yeah, I think I have to seek that out. Or not. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool. Okay. That's, uh, that's, that's, an, that's not one that would have made a, a major list of mine, but I, I love that you chose that one. It's such a neat kind of weird little moment on a very weird little album. Yeah. I just like the vibe of the wildlife record. And I, cause I was like, Oh, I love this record, but I, I was having a hard time finding something from that record in my list until I heard tomorrow. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is what makes this album even. It's like when you add a little more salt to a dish, it's like, Oh, you know, brings up all the flavors of the whole thing. That's uh, that's a great point. And it really does kind of elevate a lot of the other, like some people never know might be, have 
weird as a single, but it's such a beautiful building, gorgeous track. There's a ton of those. The song Wildlife is political. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's McCart, and that's around the era when he was also doing Give Ireland Back to the Irish. People mm-hmm. forget about that. Like, Paul might have struck out a couple times. Again, like, Freedom was a noble effort that kind of failed. Yeah. You know, that that 01 kind of... Well, he doesn't uh, play it anymore. Uh, no. Because it got, it, it did get to... Co-opted, yeah. But, yeah. Um, but, but Paul's Hearts, you know, he's had a couple, like, Off the Ground from 93 had a couple songs where he dropped the F-bomb in one of them in a song called Big Boys Bickering. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, my number four. I've got a – I'm going to save – I've got so many here. I'm going to go ahead and give you an obscure B-side that I've always loved from 79, I believe, and it's called Daytime Nighttime Suffering. And <laughs> I don't think – did I hear this one? Yeah. I – because it didn't make the 80s, I didn't put it on your mix, but I'll send you the link as soon as we are done. Awesome. I'm pretty sure it's the B-side. God, it's either Arrow Through Me or Getting Closer. Now I don't remember. But it is, it's just an effervescent wings track with these layered stacked harmonies. It'll be right up your alley when you hear it. Oh, I can't wait. Um, and it's, Paul McCartney has a, and I sent you some of these on the mix. Paul McCartney has a ton of B-sides that for some reason didn't make albums. Uh, in many cases, they're better than a lot of the singles or album tracks. You look at a track like Daytime, Nighttime Suffering, the Back to the Egg album, which, like Wildlife, I think is totally underrated. I There's like that great record. songs on Back to the Egg. Yeah, it's the most rockin' Wings lineup you ever put together. Yeah. Um, but that song, to me, would have elevated the presence uh, and success of... Uh, back to the egg had he included it, but definitely check it out. Daytime, nighttime suffering. I'm pretty sure it's a B side to getting closer, and it's just a f- silly, upbeat, great harmony stacked, sunshiny McCartney tune. Oh, I can't wait to can't wait to hear yeah. that one, man. Well, I got number five. All right, here this one blew my mind. This is I just heard this like two nights ago, and I've listened to it five times since, which means I've spent 50 minutes, nearly an hour, listening to this song. Oh, say, say, say. <laughs> yes, the 12 inch the- B side disco remix <laughs> for the past by, by John Jellybean Benitez. Jellybean. And, and the, the video where Michael's vaguely tried to fuck Latoya. <laughs> right? Well, yeah, I mean, this is before Latoya posed for Playboy. So, you know, <laughs> there was still an allure. <laughs> um, <laughs> i'm excited what is it so it What's is it it's the 10 minute opus called rinse the raindrops from 2001's driving rain holy sh- you, i you could have given me a million guesses i would not have given you rinse the raindrops what is it about 11 minutes long it's nearly 11 minutes it's just over yeah. 10 i so let me get to my notes yeah i heard this song and like I didn't, you know, I didn't know it was 10 minutes long when it started. So I'm just listening to this song and going like, I think my first impressions were like, wow, this rocks. And like, oh, this is what Foreigner could have sounded like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like if, if Foreigner listened to Nirvana or whatever. So here are my notes while I'm listening to it. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> how Foreigner could have sounded. Ooh, with that weird horror rock mad professor bit. <laughs> Uh-huh. So yeah, it has this like spooky bubbling cauldrons of green liquid vibe going on. And then and then I think the song's over and then it keeps going with the sonic weird like it sounds like it's playing in a boombox in the back of the room, which sounds fucking cool. Yeah. Uh and I go, "Ooh, it's an epic. This is the realest I've heard him since Road All Night." You know, that Oh, that 8-minute uh, Ram outtake. Cut from Ram, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like it's a version of that song, but with a full band. I love this. I love this. Is it Abe the drummer? He is just uh, Abe Laborial. He's amazing. He's amazing, but he's also really human. Like you know, like you hear a stick mm-hmm. drop in that in one of those uh, the breakdown, the first breakdown. Um, 
the guitar has some really strange moments. There's a, there's a moment the guitarist makes a mistake. Like they go into the change, but the guitarist is still on the A part. Yeah. And they kept it in. <laughs> they kept it fucking I it in. <laughs> I thought it was fucking great. And then that scream he does in that song, it's when mm-hmm. they come back the third time, I think. And he launches into that scream. It's a combination of I want you, she's so heavy or mother. And it's, it's as good as a John Lennon scream, but it has like a sense of humor, like a Kurt Cobain scream. I just fucking loved this song. And then it ends all kooky at the end with like a string kind of a thing. Anyway, fuck me for not hearing this song 19 years ago. Now, okay. First of all, what a great obscure 3 a.m. McCartney cut. (laughs) That's incredible. Uh, That comes off what I believe. And I, I think I wrote this in my little notes to you. I think Driving Rain is maybe along with Pipes of Peace, one of his two, and Wings of the Speed of Sound, one of the three worst McCartney albums. (laughs) Driving Rain was abysmal. Driving Rain to me was... Oh, I love that record. Oh, really? Yeah. How funny. (laughs) And a lot of people do. I'm in the minority. I I, I feel like the the record is is hollow and weird, and I feel like that's that's his Heather Mills era, Mm -hmm. and he's dying his hair, (laughs) you know, like... The whole thing's just, just. I mean, I, I like the song "Driving Way, Driving Rain." Yeah, that's a good song. That's the one with the counting, well, right? Yeah, <laughs> one, two, three, four, five. That's the closest that's- I will ever come to liking adult contemporary music. Is that I love that song. <laughs> I fucking love that song. It's totally adult. You know that song is that song is not Paul McCartney. That song is Paul McCartney. Brought to you by Fidelity Investments, <laughs> which is a thing he did. I know. I fucking read about that. Oi. anyway i love that record like i love she's giving up talking i love driving rain uh i I loved uh, about you i i actually it's on my my super list of favorites fucking heather heather makes my like top 21 or whatever wow and you had only just heard this record fairly recently right is that a is that a fair this sounds like a cross-examination uh your honor i rest my case no, like I said, I know a, a lot of people are driving rain fans. There's reviews. The the dude uh, Stephen Thomas Earlwine, I think's his name. He writes all the reviews for All Music Guide. I just you said he's good on rabbit holes. Just a decent site for music reviews. Right. He calls that like the beginning of Paul's or the the middle of Paul's trilogy of brilliant albums that began with 97's Flaming Pie, which I love. Yeah. Followed with Driving Rain, and then culminated with Chaos and Creation from 05. I give them that. Those are yeah. Out of those, all those records I had to listen to, those were my three favorite records from since McCartney two. Yeah, cool. That's a great. I am so impressed with that call. <laughs> well, thank uh, you though. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, I'm I'm thrilled. I mean, again, I come from the position of having lived in most of the stuff when the albums were coming out. Had I gotten into the Beatles later, I probably would have looked at it the same way you did. Like you know, you hear things like "The Girl Is Mine." and say 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 in some of the hits from the 80s that aren't real right you know not not that they're not great because i think on some level they're all great but it's it if if you're loving paul mccartney in real time uh you're either in your 60s or (laughs) you have a drinking problem (laughs) (laughs) now one of those are true for me no I, i don't really drink now edibles send them my way um, and I do drink. Women don't really drink. I just lied on a podcast. I don't drink a lot anymore because you know what's not fun? Waking up hungover dealing with a beautiful four-year-old son is no fun. So I, I'm gonna I've been vacillating between my number fives because there's so many I love. I'm gonna kick it into a more semi-modern uh from the Egypt Station album that came out in 2018. His newest record. His newest record had a bonus track, I think, on the only available at Target, I think, pressing, which again is a little, yeah. makes you a little yucky. There's a song called Get Started. Yep. That is, I mean, not the most complex song, but it has some of the most gorgeous harmonies, melodic twists. The lyrics are kind of banal. Uh, I'm going to love you and I will tell you how are not as great as lyrics, but the the melody he goes into and there's another kind of change there too in the song where he begins this bluesy screaming wail that to your like your point in rinse the raindrops 
I hadn't heard I hadn't heard Paul do like that in years on record. Yeah, that's so totally cool. that that's an obscure one. I don't even know if you can download or stream that one, but it was only available I think on the Egypt Station kind of collector edition or maybe like the one of the limited target releases. But it's called Get Started, and it's just a, I think it's better than most of the songs on that album. Man, I yeah. So you can stream it because I heard it yesterday. I listened to uh, I was up to Egypt, Egypt station yesterday and it's on like the deluxe. Uh, I think they call it like the expander or explorers edition, I think is what they're calling it. Right. OK. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my note for that song, I, I gave it an asterisk, meaning I liked it. And I, I wrote should have been on the album or sh- right. should have been the album opener is what I wrote. Yeah, because he went the opposite direction. That song, I Don't Know, that comes out of the train song sound effects. It's a beautiful song. It didn't feel like an opener. Yeah, it was real sleepy. I, it was yeah. it was like an anti-opener, which he has the right to do. But yeah, I was like, oh, get started. This should have been <laughs> like, this would have been a much more better way to start the record, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. I love that you heard it and I love that you dig it. It's just, you know, I, I left off a ton of... We joked about an album called Press to Play from 86. That was, I think, his least selling album. You had a great line about it that I'd love. We sent over email. Do you remember what you said? I'd love to hear it. I You know what? Yeah, I was. Yes, I said, um, you know, because this is Paul McCartney, we give him such such a, a long leeway. You know, we give him a long leash on what we will listen to. And I was like, if this was Press to Play, if this was a Mr. Mr. record. <laughs> I would not be listening to it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And that's Paul brought in um, Hugh, uh, Hugh Padham, Pad him. I don't know how to say his last name, who at the time uh, was producing solo Phil Collins, which is uniformly terrible. <laughs> solo Phil Collins drives me. Cr- and I want to be a hypocrite. There's a couple Phil Collins Genesis songs I like. Yeah. You know, I like No Reply at All. I love Paper Late. But all that mid-80s Phil Collins stuff, it's like, Jesus, somebody somebody in the studio put the cocaine down and tell him to stop. <laughs> it makes, tell him to stop. It makes me want to drink a Michelob, though. Yeah, funny how that works. <laughs> Not even a light. I don't need Michelob light. I want a straight-up Michelob. <laughs> it's very 1986. But that, So Paul McCartney brought this guy in to modernize his sound and give him the Phil Collins kind of boost, and they hated each other. And the resultant <laughs> album is an album with some weak McCartney songs, but like every album, some of my favorites are on that too. Pressed, Only Love Remains is a gorgeous ballad. Good Times Come and Feel, The Sunshine In feels like classic Paul. Every album, you know, the other songs I wrote down, Back on My Feet, a B-side, the first one he wrote with Elvis Costello. Oh yeah. That was released in 87. It's just a great little tune. Uh, With a Little Luck is one of my favorite commercial hits of his. The album version that doesn't end. It's six minutes long or five and a half minutes long. (laughs) But it's so 70s stony and spacey. That whole London Town album is so weird. It's like this languid. It is. Slow, but beautiful. Yeah, I forgot about London Town. Nothing from London Town, I think, made the cut for me. Some of my favorites, some of I'll shout out some of my favorites. Like, yeah, almost made the list. Silly love songs. I love that song. I just love it, and it take it's it's a childhood thing. It it puts me in a safe, warm place. But I also love the horns. Like this, I don't know. I was today again while driving around in L.A. and it just <laughs> it just puts you in a good mood. Um, his his bass playing and that you know he, yeah like the Stones did with Miss You, the, they they wrote disco songs and they were the best disco songs that were on the radio at that time. Yeah, that's true, man. I like silly love songs like Let Them In a lot. Uh, same thing, same record. So it takes me to a certain place. I love that song Arrow Through Me. I love that. What one. a great song! The effects of the uh, the key kind of bending at the beginning. On yeah, the it has that really strange opening. It's a weird song. It's another time warp that takes me back. I say it here. I shrink to age four when I hear this. Um, and it was a hit, right? It was like a, it was on the radio. Yeah, it was a single. There, there's a great joke on, uh, at, at, to begin an episode of WKRP where Johnny Fever plays that song and he's kind of rocking out to the beginning. And right before it kicks in, he goes, that was one record. Here's another one. And then you hear, ooh, <laughs> baby. It's just a great little in, little inside McCartney joke. Oh, yeah. and there's a flexitone on it, which you don't hear on a – I've got one right here. It's this weird percussion. Uh, there it is. 
Oh yeah, yeah. That, I never knew what that was called. Flexitone. Yeah, <laughs> it's got one of those on it. You know, you don't hear that on a on a on a hit single so much. No, you're not hearing that on Mister Mister's Kyrie Laison. <laughs> I love Sea Moon. Sea Moon is a favorite. Do you like? What do you think of Sea Moon? Uh, sea Moon's always driven me crazy for a couple reasons. At some point when McCartney started touring again in the late eighties, someone was like, you got to do Sea Moon a lot. And I've seen McCartney a bunch of times and like Sea Moon is my beer song because he always says, is this the intro? I should have been in. Yeah, I know. We all, we know. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love that song. I could listen to that one all day. It could be L7 that I'd never get to heaven if my head was filled with glue. What's it all to you? I love it. And so L7, right? L7 was from a Sam and the Sham and the Pharaohs song. Uh, and that meant square because L and seven makes a square. And C Moon was supposed to be like a circle, which meant cool. Yeah, I read that somewhere. Uh, check this out. Yes. DJ Shanoff plays his least favorite Paul McCartney songs. <laughs> so the fact I've never rehearsed Seamoon, I don't think I've played it since 93. And I just said, uh, the fact that I can do that, I, I get it. It's fun, but it's on like every live album has Paul doing Seamoon. Like, Thank who's you. requesting this? I am. Okay. Fair. I get it. Seamoon. <laughs> McCartney's free bird is Sea Moon. <laughs> That's good. That's a great one. Well, what are some others? I got Junk. Junk is one of my favorites. Uh, Dear Boy, Heart of the Country. Again, Ram. 1985, I love. 1985. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warm and Beautiful is one of it's. I almost, I, the only reason it doesn't make my list is because it almost makes me cry. Like yeah. I almost want to play that at my funeral or something. Like it's a, it gets me. It's a great song. Yeah. Uh, so glad to see you here from back, uh, from the egg. Back to the egg. Yeah. Back to the egg. I love, I love that. He, he, like he goes for it. That's one of the songs that rock and roll songs where he goes for it uh, in the vocal, especially it's one of the songs where it's like, I feel like it's at 10 and then it, it goes to 11 when, when they go right in that chorus, there's to me, it's almost like a, I want to hold your hand moment, but. Wow. That might be that might be too much, but that chord, like what, there's certain things that happen, and maybe this is what Pete Townsend was getting at with the uh, the spiritual chord, you know, that he was trying to figure out during who's next, um, and and like in, inventing the internet, but because <laughs> that's what Lifehouse was, the whole who's thing. Anyway, <laughs> I want to listen to that podcast. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, maybe. So anyway, there's something, it was, it was this, to me, there's certain chords that make you, that give you goosebumps. And when that song, this obscure song off of 1979 Macca record, Macca. Uh, <laughs> Macca. Macca. Not Macca. No, Macca. Uh, anyway, that song. I got Take It Away. As far as this new stuff goes, I like the song new a lot. Yeah, it's a great song. To me, that sounds it's it, it's almost like a, it, it's like an ELO song or like the move. There's something about the harm the the melody line in the vocal that sounds like that band the move. And the the, the Beach Boys riff at the end is so sweet. It's a good song. All that acapella stuff so gorgeous at the end. It's good. Uh Heather, long haired lady, every night from the first record. I like that song a lot. Great song, and that's a song that's great live. I feel like that song really breathes when he does that one live. Yeah, that's a really good song. And then lastly, from Kisses on the Bottom, (laughs) Inchworm. (laughs) Whoa, I I gotta go. See you next week. (laughs) So that might be my favorite show tune of all time. Uh, Okay. I think it was in a movie or a show, or I don't know what. I know Frank Lesser wrote it. That's wait, I mean. wait a minute. I always thought it was the Rum Tum Tugger from Cats. <laughs> well, I like when Ringo does that. <laughs> Ringo like Star. In, I saw Ringo do Cats in uh, at the Bakersfield Playhouse. <laughs> uh, so you love it, that intro. Now, I've, I've heard that album a couple times. I know my Valentine. I know Accentuate that. I could not point out in his cover of Inchworm without hearing it again. It's I so I just love that song. So to hear McCartney do it, 
was ex- an extra special treat. So, you know what I mean? It's like hearing like, oh, the Beatles covered uh, that Marshall Crenshaw song you like. <laughs> I'd prefer the Beatles cover that Marshall Tucker band song. I like. Dude, do you ever Ringo doing Can't You See with Joe Walsh? Yeah, um, I saw him at the Bakersfield Playhouse. <laughs> never, never. He was dressed right like at- a big cat. <laughs> For other reasons, cats had closed several years prior. <laughs> uh, you know, but to your point, uh, one of my very favorite musicals is Guys and Dolls. And he covers the most obscure song from Guys and Dolls in the same album, a Frank Lester tune called More I Cannot Wish You. That's a Guys and Dolls obscurity um, that is sung by an old guy named Arvide that for McCartney to kind of pull out is beautiful. So I love that you chose that one. Again, I'll go back and listen for that one again. Give it a spin, man. I don't know. You got anything else? You want to even – I don't have any Beatles Macca (laughs) – Now I can't stop saying it. Beatles hyphen Mecca. (laughs) I don't have any Beatle lists available. So like, but I'm, I'm happy to hear yours. Well, I I will say one thing real quick about the solo stuff. I did leave a ton of stuff out. I love the, the flowers in the dirt album was a big album for me. uh, Summer after ninth grade, going into 10th grade was just a huge album for me. My brave face would be in any one of my lists. The demos he did with Elvis Costello that were finally officially released a couple of years ago when they put repackaged Flowers in the Dirt is those are the best way to listen to those tunes. When it's just those two fucking around in the studio, it's a pretty nice way to hear some of those great tunes they wrote that became a little over late 80s produced by Mitchell Froome and other producers of that era. Yeah, that's my that's my hugest gripe with Flowers in the Dirt. It's the production. Like there was a moment in motor of love yeah here's my note when i heard motor of love the album closer mm-hmm. oh my god are the fucking <laughs> 80s over yet <laughs> this song could be good with a completely different arrangement <laughs> that said i loved hearing those demos with elvis costello that yeah. that to me was like oh he should like i wish rick rubin had found these guys before he found johnny cash you know what i mean yeah, that's really what. Can you imagine what Rick Rubin would have done with older McCartney? That's a shame that collaborate. It's not but too late. It's not too late. And that's, uh, I don't want to butcher his name either, but Nigel uh, Godrich. Goodrich. Yeah, right. Radiohead, um, Pavement. Right. Uh, when George Martin said, I can't produce you anymore, Paul. My ears are shot. When Paul reached out to him, it was George Martin who recommended Nigel for chaos and creation of the backyard which might be one of my two or three favorite McCartney albums because I think what Driving Rain is to you, Chaos and Creation is to me in terms of the weirdness, the darkness of it. I love that Paul said, I got a great touring band. And Nigel said, they're awesome. I want you to play every instrument. Yeah, yeah, because they tried out some sessions I heard and then just ended up just Paul mostly playing everything. There's like one or two songs where someone else drums, but it's it's mostly all him. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, a good record. And I love that production. Like, yeah, when he had a good producer, it's great. You know what I mean? Jeff Lynn, uh, Nigel. Um, his last two records sound good, too. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a testament to... I love that you kind of were exposed to uh, some of the 80s McCartney and 90s you missed out on because there's beauty there. And I tell people this, you know, a lot of Beatle fans who kind of tuned out Paul, if you go, I I, I say this lovingly and I say this respectfully, but I have a very sad feeling that it's going to take Paul McCartney to die for people to go, you know what? Fuck Red Rose Speedway is goddamn brilliant. There's some good stuff. Back to the Egg is a great, a great record. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not going to make Pipes a piece any better. Look at the average person. <laughs> well, I met a woman working as a waitress. That's show tune, Paul. That's Paul thinking he's writing for the sequel to Oliver. <laughs> what that is. Um, Give but, my regards uh, to Broad Street. Uh, Broad, oh, Broad Street, uh, which has a version of Silly Love Songs that features yep. a, a key change, which kind of works. But, sure. Okay, so... Uh, so why don't we say this? If you have to pick one Paul McCartney Beatles song, not necessarily your favorite, but if there's one that you could say, yeah, this to me is the most Paul McCartney of all the Paul McCartney uh, heavy Beatles songs, what would it be? Um, to put you on the spot. I know. Well, I mean, I guess like here, there and everywhere comes to mind. It's not my favorite, but that to me is the most Paul song. 
And it's his um, favorite. Is that right? Yeah, yeah that makes sense. His That's his in my life, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as favorites go, probably Helter Skelter, um, For No One. I love, For No One's probably my favorite Paul McCartney song, but I'd have to really, that's on the spot. What about you, man? Uh, well, as I was making my lists, I mentioned Lady Madonna earlier, just in terms of, that's one of my, that's my favorite Beatles song to hear Paul do live. I actually, the single of Lady Madonna, I loved as a kid that kind of swore off it. It wasn't until I heard it again in mono when the mono releases mm. came out a few years ago, those mono right. masters a decade yeah. ago, Lady Madonna is just one of those like paperback writer songs that just in mono just kicks some ass in a way that the stereo just doesn't do. Mm. Um, but you know, if this is cheat, I'll cheat twice with my most Paul of Paul <laughs> moments. I'm a two time cheater. Basically, I, I could run I could run elections as a Republican. I love to fucking cheat. If you do it twice, though, it, it cancels it out, so it's good again. Oh, you're hurting my brain. <laughs> I don't get it. And now more math. Uh, I mean, the three Paul major songs on the U.S. Rubber Soul which would be I've just seen a face you won't see me and I'm looking through you are the three Paul McCartney highlights of every Beatles album I've ever heard rubber soul. The U S one's one of the first albums I really love loved. So, because the British one starts with another Paul tune, Drive My Car. Mm -hmm. The American one starts with, um, I've just seen a face. I've just seen a face. Yeah. The British help, of course. Um, So that, and also, you know, all of side two of Abbey Row, but if you really want to get Paul centered, bathroom window through the end is yeah. about as good as I think any music ever recorded is. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I never thought to pick it up at bathroom window and go on out. That's pretty much Paul, right? And that takes, I mean, I love Paul theme, Pam and me, Mr. Musk, all, and all Sun the, King. and Sun King, all the John stuff there. And all of side two is brilliant, you know, with uh, starting with uh, here comes the sun into because you never give me your money. I mean, it's all brilliant. But if we're just going to focus in on Paul bathroom window through the end, which is what, about four and a half, five minutes of just Paul. I don't think he ever got any better than that. Yeah, that's good, man. That's good stuff. It's funny that you and I did not say yesterday. We didn't say, hey, Jude. We no. didn't say Let It Be. We didn't say Long and Winding Road. These are indisputably great songs, but not our first to mind. Why do you think that is? I think a lot of that has to do with exposure, for sure. Like, yeah, when I was watching Wings, uh, and he, I think he did a Wings rock show. I think he did Yesterday in that. Anyway, I yeah. heard it. Okay. I heard it now. You know, that would be my beer song. <laughs> I just heard it. And also it's like, it was, I think at one time, the most covered song on the planet, you know, it's just been done. So yeah. And it's, it's not that it's not as complex as the songs I like, you know, like Admiral Halsey has 12 parts in it, Mrs. Vanderbilt. So I appreciate simplicity too, and punk rock and all that stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's actually never been my favorite song. Um, Never been mine either. And another one that's not one of my favorites that everyone else loves. And it's, let me rephrase. I love these songs. I love yesterday. I love let it be and Hey Jew, but when I'm making my list, they're just not on them. Another one of those is Eleanor Rigby, which was revolutionary Mm -hmm. and those Bernard Herman esque strings and the desolation and loneliness. I get everything about why that song is a classic. I personally have never truly connected with Eleanor Rigby. Yeah, I've always liked that song. Yeah, it might be my wife's favorite song of theirs. It might be. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't make my list. If, like if anything, Paperback Writer, <laughs> which is a trite song, if you want to call it that. But I, I'm more about the music so, a lot of times. So I just love that the, the sound of that and the bass is up and it's an exciting record. It's one of the more exciting records. Yeah, it's a a great one. Don't want to leave out Penny Lane, which was Mm -hmm. as much as people love Strawberry Fields. And for good reason, I love Strawberry Fields. I've always given the nod to Penny Lane because of the way it just makes my heart feel. Strawberry Fields is something from my head. Penny Lane is something from my heart. (laughs) That's good, man. I like that. That's cool. But yeah, we, we could go, we could go for hours on Paul McCartney, but what I would say to anybody listening who is, has been gun shy about the, some of the lesser McCartney albums, you're going to find beauty on every damn Paul McCartney record. 
I disagree. Um, there. <laughs> check it out. And now, uh-huh. TJ Shanoff. Uh-huh. Least, least favorite uh-huh. Beatles songs. <laughs> Poppy lived with Patty, but they never told the daddy what the love was. Uh-huh. <laughs> What's it all? We don't need to hear. I get it. Do it once. Um, but yeah, I, I loved uh, going over Paul with you. And I know we're going to tease next week, which is all we're going to go Ringo bad boy track by track. Is that joke <laughs> getting old yet? I still love, I love the idea of that. I will have to, I have not explored Ringo solo too much, man. I put sentimental journey on last week and <laughs> oh God. well, the, the early one sentimental journey, uh, B cups of blues. I've never said that right either. <laughs> and his first uh, Ringo and Goodnight Vienna are great albums. He's got a few, but dude, uh, uh, Ringo the Fourth and uh, Bad Boy and Stop and Smell the Roses. Well, well, th- you'll be sober too. You'll be like, <laughs> "Fuck this! I'm done with the wine coolers. I'm done narrating Shining Time Station. What is this? Is that what it is? Like, if you want to detox off the Beatles, you put on Ringo's Bad Boy album. That's, I think, what works every <laughs> single time. <laughs> I want to be cured of the Beatles. <laughs> they, they, uh, somebody last little thought of this because I know we're we're way over time here, but somebody made a uh, some independent label did a vinyl repressing recently, a 180 gram vinyl of Bad Boy, and I saw it and I was like, "All right, I'm a collector. I can pick it up." It was like thirty eight dollars. I'm like, no. I've never listened to the original on whatever label portrait or some offshoot of CBS, like boardwalk records is the new Ringo. album. Hey. Yeah. That's too heavy for that record. It needs to be less grams. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy birthday, Paul McCartney, TJ Shanoff. Yeah, you say, you say it's his birthday, Tony. That was a, a lot of fun. <laughs> that was fun, man. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, to the Untitled Beatles podcast. I'm Tony Mendoza. I'm TJ Shanoff. Next week, all 78 Ringo. <laughs> That's just Ringo on 78s. We're gonna... <laughs> yeah, it just, it sounds like the chipmunks. <laughs> how do we, how do I stop it? Uh... Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe.